All right. Good morning. My name is uh, Bill Stafiri. I lead here on our Fountain Valley campus, and I'm excited to lead with you our, our third week of the Art of Neighboring series that we're going through. We're thinking through, as Jesus was asked about what was the most important commandment, and he uh, challenged to think through the, the idea of loving God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, to love your neighbor as yourself. And he said that everything hangs on these two things. And we've been really trying to think through the second part of what he said, to love our neighbors as ourselves, uh, recognizing how easy it is to love ourselves, but how difficult it is to love our neighbors with the same depth and the same kind of love in which we love ourselves. Uh, I want to encourage you, if you're new to this series, if you haven't been here yet, there's a couple of things. Every week you'll kind of get uh, some glimpses of some of the things that we're doing and attempts to help you love our, uh, your neighbor and, and uh, some of the things that we're starting that you can jump into. Uh, on the back of your note page, there's some uh, ideas there, some, uh, a verse of scripture to memorize, a neighbor map that we encourage you to think. Actually try to figure out, do you actually know your actual neighbors? Put your house in the center and try to figure out if you know the names of the people that live around you. Or maybe it's your cubicle map or your, uh, your desk map at school or whatever it is. There's some questions that are there each week to help you just to reflect, maybe to talk about as a family around the dinner table or, or in other ways or uh, with friends at lunchtime. Uh, if you are a family, we have a, a, a page, a family page that is available uh, where you checked your kids in. And we encourage you, it's got a lot of different ideas of things you can do during the series to kind of reinforce. We want to want this to go back home with you. We don't want to just take 30 minutes a week to talk about this, but we want uh, you as families to have a chance to talk and to think and to ask questions about what God's inviting you to and how you as a family can respond. One of the interesting things is uh, what we started last week was called the skip jar. You skip something to help someone. And uh, we're encouraged you grab one of these if you didn't grab one already, one for each family. Put it somewhere prominent and start thinking about some of the little things in life, perhaps, uh, maybe they're big, but things in your life that maybe you could skip through this process, uh, through this series, put it away, put the money away in the skip jar and just kind of wait on God. And when God tells you, okay, good, I'm glad you've been doing this. Now here's why I've had you do this and learn to respond. Now the, the bigger thing that's going to come out of this, we're going to see is at, at the very core of the skip jar is just kind of posturing our hearts to be prepared, putting our lives in a place to say, God, I want to be ready to move and to help people as you lead me. And as we learn to do this with our lives, this very small little thing, uh, you'll see um, some unique things that God begins to do. So I, I, I found myself even this week, skipped dinner this week on Tuesday night. I was teaching out in La Mirada. Um, I'm driving back and I'm like, I'm just so hungry. I'm just going to stop and grab something. And then of course I'm like, skip jar. Okay. Can I make it home? Can I, can I drive 30 more minutes and make it home and put the $7 in the bucket? I'm like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to deny myself 30 minutes of starvation, you know? And then you realize like a lot of the things that we think through are kind of silly when you get through it, but seven bucks went in the skip jar and we're kind of waiting as a family to see how God will use that uh, with us. So uh, I want to just encourage you with that. And I also want to encourage you, you'll see people on the patio today wearing these shirts. Uh, our Stephen ministry is just a, it's a remarkable ministry. And I want to encourage you, if you are someone in our church who uh, you're good at listening, you're good at being present with people, you're good at kind of sitting through a difficult time with someone. And this is a significant part of the life that God calls us to. But some of you are really good at this. I want to encourage you, if that's who you are, to stop by the table after the service and just say, I'm interested in hearing more. You don't have to, you don't have to 
to give your whole life to it or anything, but at least look into it and see. Uh, and and there, as I said, there'll be people all over. You'll see me even in the service today wearing these shirts. Who uh, They're such a blessing. Uh, our senior minister is such a blessing to our staff in the way that we care for our, the people in our church. So uh, thank you, Stephen Ministers, and to you who will consider that. So uh, let's jump into what we're talking about today. Now, my guess is many of you, perhaps most of you, um, the only way you know me is by seeing me up in front talking to people, talking to hundreds of people every weekend. And you probably look at me and go, wow, Bill's probably a, a outgoing kind of, you know, big personality guy out and about. If I actually got to hang out with him, that's, I, I imagine that's what he's like. The truth is, I'm a pretty quiet person. I'm an introvert. I love my alone time to recharge my batteries. What's interesting with this is I married a wonderful woman who is the opposite of that. She is outgoing. She is tremendous with people. And some would even say a little loud. Uh, But... After being with her, married almost 25 years, uh, uh, sharing uh, from dating all the way through about 30 years together, I've learned by being around Kim's family for about 30 years why she is this way. So she comes from a family that is outgoing, loves to play games, loves to be in conversation, loves to kind of talk it up and challenge. In fact, when we first started dating, it was very interesting because I realized uh, this is going to take a lot of work to, to kind of get a word in uh, with these guys. I don't even know if I can even enter into the conversation. They actually kind of question, I don't know if Bill's going to work out. I don't know if he can keep up with our family. Now, what I've learned over time is this. Um, I use, you know, kind of, the, kind of the, the loudness and the energy of the room. Sometimes what happens is they kind of get going and everything. And what happens is in my, in my quietness, uh, I kind of fade into the background. And next thing you know, it's almost like I'm kind of like in the wallpaper. And then I'm gone altogether. And they don't even notice that I have left. And, uh, and I was kind of, I was thinking about that. I was kind of laughing about that. And then I, I, I realized it was kind of a significant reflection because you begin to think about this for a church, right? In the same way uh, that a church can very easily become silent. It can very easily become quiet, about who it is and, 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 the, and the neighboring part. that uh, We can become quiet within our neighborhood. And I, I started to ask this question. Ken and I were asking this, I think, a really important question. What would, it, what would happen if we decided together that we were going to disband? Okay, That Beach Point is no longer. Uh, we're all going to go our separate ways. We're going to close down. Uh, we're going to sell the buildings off. And it's going to turn into track homes or whatever it is. Would the city be upset? Would the city miss us if we were gone? Would the community miss us if we were gone? I thought, uh, that might be debatable. I mean, I think of some of the neat things that we're doing with Tamura and some other things that are going on. But I mean, that's, a, isn't that a, that's an important question for us to ask, isn't it? Because it's very easy for a church to get quiet about its message. It's very easy for a church to kind of fade into the wallpaper and then disappear altogether within the idea of a city. And, and we're going to see that how important it is really for us to live out our Christian love, uh, to live it loudly in our community. And we're going to see that in the passage that we look at today. And so I want you to, to, to take note of a big idea that will shape what we're talking about. And I want you to understand something. Your relationship, our relationship with Jesus it 
it becomes revealed. It becomes known in the way that we love our neighbors. To somehow kind of hold on to this idea of loving God and not to love our neighbors, we have missed it. Uh, that, that we will see our relationship with Jesus is revealed in our love for our neighbors. This is a big idea that we want to look at today as we look at a, a challenging passage. There are some passages that are difficult. They're hard. And some of Jesus's teachings are hard to interpret. Some are hard to accept. Others are hard to do. I think this one's all three. So let me invite you to a, a, an interesting passage, Matthew chapter 25, and we're going to read verses 31 to 46. There's Bibles in front of you, page 994, if you need one. And I'll put it up on the screen as well. But we're going to read this passage together. And we have to think about some very challenging things that Jesus says. You will get uncomfortable, as we have been, I think, now three weeks in a row. Every week as we think of this, how difficult it is really to love our neighbors as ourselves, we find that it sounds like it's not that hard, right? Let's just be nice to people. But more and more as we dig deeper into it, we realize, wow, Jesus, you are pressing harder. You're pushing in deeper of what it means to really know you and walk with you and to let your life really take over our life. So we don't just kind of say, yes, I want to go to heaven. Please forgive me. But we say, no, 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 no. What I want to recognize is that you are king. And you're not just the king of the universe, but you're now the king of my life. And as king of my life, I want you to rule my life. I want you to reign. And I want to be a part of your kingdom. And I, I want to do the things that you would have me do as you establish your kingdom here on the earth. More and more, we'll begin to see the authenticity of that transformation will be revealed in the way that we love our neighbor. And so Matthew 25, starting in verse 31, let's read together. It says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on the right and the goats on his left. And then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the, the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. And then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And the king will reply, truly I tell you, Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. And then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. And they also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? And he will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do, 
For one of the least of these you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. We need three things I want to stand out for us today as we look at the passage. And the first is this. We will all stand before King Jesus someday. We will all stand before King Jesus someday. We will all give an account of our lives. Now we see in this passage, we are free to live our lives however we want. But one day we will give account to the one who gave us life. And we see that Jesus is the king and he will be the one who rules and judges. And he creates a picture there and a picture they would have understood in that first century. This picture of a shepherd separating sheep from goats. And the picture is kind of simple that you, as a shepherd you had your animals out and these other little white animals would kind of make their way into the flock. Uh, but they weren't sheep, they were goats. And so kind of one of the, the, the things that you had to do, one of the jobs you had to do as a shepherd was that, that you'd have to separate them. You'd put the sheep on one side and the goats, you'd kind of separate them out. You don't shear a goat. And so they were, they, this was kind of a, an easy kind of picture for them to understand. But notice what Jesus is beginning to do, understand uh, the, the kind of separation of two groups. And not all of us are going into the same direction, no matter how much this culture wants to make you believe that. When Jesus speaks about this, he says, that's not how it's going to be when, you, when the end comes, when you stand before me. We, we won't all kind of make our way all through these different paths. You will stand before me, and some it will be revealed that they belong to me, and others it will be revealed do not. And notice this unique thing that says that uh, some will kind of appear to be Sheep, you'll kind of appear to be a believer, but you're not. You're a goat. And you'll say over here, and we see this kind of picture that's very challenging to see. We see this idea of eternal punishment and separation. And while we don't have a lot of time to go through this, actually there's a sermon that we did on this. You can look up online where we talked a little bit more deeply about this. But what we do see is this. It is to be avoided at all costs. This, this separation, this eternal punishment, there's nothing in Scripture, whenever Jesus speaks about this, whenever Jesus talks about hell or, or this uh, separation, there's never an idea where it's, it's something to be looked forward to. It's always the idea of regret and sorrow, of missing something significant. Now, when we look at Jesus teaching on the judgment, and actually he's been doing this, if you look at the passage, kind of, kind of spread out back to chapter 24, you'll see that Jesus has been teaching all kinds of, of passages about, or all kinds of messages about the end and, how, and how to, uh, knowing when the end would come and all these kinds of things. Two things stand out when Jesus talks about these things. Number one, be prepared. Be prepared. That's one of the most important things that Jesus communicates. And it doesn't mean that... Uh, 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 you have to kind of know like the, the signs of politics and weather and all these things. And it, it, that's not what he, he's thinking. See, part of the one is to be prepared. The second is this, is that um, it will be sudden. It will be sudden. When this happens, there's no cramming for it. There's no preparation. It, it, you see, there's kind of this suddenness that happens. In fact, all the stories leading up to it is all about the suddenness and, and everything else is, so be prepared. Make sure your heart is right. You're ready that there's this authenticity that you've responded to who I am. 
And so one of the first things that we see in this idea is that we all have to be prepared to stand before him someday. But notice the second thing. Notice that Jesus as king, King Jesus, will remember what we have done for him. He will remember what we have done for him. And the judge on that day says, you're the goats. They say, why? He says, I was hungry. You didn't feed me. I was naked. You didn't clothe me. I was without shelter and you didn't bring me in. I was sick. You didn't care for me. I was in prison. You didn't visit me. Notice how they say, Lord, when did we see you like that? And Jesus will say to them on that day, when you fail to do it to the least of these, you fail to do it to me. And you get the sense with them that, well, Jesus, if we would have known it was you, we would have done it. We just thought it was just our common man. And it reveals something about the transformation of heart and the condition of our heart. Elsewhere, Jesus talks about the idea of, of, a, of fruit on a tree, revealing whether or not a tree is alive or not. And he would give this image of this tree, and you can kind of look at it, right? You can see these, uh, the difference in two trees. A tree has a, a, a trunk and branches. There's no leaves. There's no fruit. And then if there's a tree that ha- that's blooming, it's blossoming, it's, it's full of life, you see it in the greens and the fruit and all the things that are popping off it. That, that, that as you look at these two, you can see the one that has come alive. And Jesus is speaking to us that a Christian is someone who has the life of Christ in them. And this life becomes demonstrated by the way we care for those in need. The person who truly belongs to Jesus and to his kingdom demonstrates that, 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 uh, that you belong to him through this transformed life. The presence of the kingdom in your life, of the king in your life, always produces evidence through transformed speech and thought and actions and character. Jesus' followers always, we, we, we see this. Jesus kind of keeps teaching this over and again. I, I can tell who belongs to me. I can see it as it kind of emerges from their life. Now, I think it's fascinating in some ways. One of the things that you almost get this sense is Jesus says, one of the ways I can tell if you belong to me is I can tell by the way you respond to me in disguise. I can tell if you believe or not. There's this great story, uh, uh, ancient story of a man named Martin of Tours. He was a Roman soldier. He was a Christian. It was a cold winter day, and as he was entering a city, this beggar asked for some alms. And, uh, and so he, he didn't have any money on him, but he could see in the beggar's face that he was cold. He was shivering. And so Martin took, he was this you know, rugged soldier. He took this old coat that a soldier would wear. It was beaten and tattered, and he tore it in two. And he took it and he, he wrapped half of it around this cold, shivering beggar. Martin tells that that night, as he went to sleep, he had a dream. And in his dream, he began to kind of see what seemed like heavenly places, angels, and Jesus in the midst of them. And Jesus was wearing half of a Roman soldier's cloak. And one of the angels said to him, Master, why are you wearing such a battered old coat? Who gave that to you? And Jesus replied, my servant Martin gave it to me. Look at the passage again. Notice this. Both groups are surprised by what Jesus remembers. Both groups are surprised. And it indicates that they're they're, they're not trying to do this good in order to kind of raise this merit up for themselves. Once again, we see the authenticity of their faith. Isn't it interesting what Jesus remembers? 
I mean, try to imagine it for yourself. Try to imagine standing there someday thinking about this passage. Try to think about it. You're standing there before the king. Stafiri. Yes, Lord. Pull out your iPhone. Okay. Look up June 13th, 2015. Ah, good day for me. That was the day I became a doctor. I got my doctorate. I thought, now they got to call me doctor. The suckers I'm going to be. Now I've earned their respect. I'm a respectable pastor now. No, no, that's not what I'm talking about. Do you remember later in the day, you and Kimberly and Rebecca, you were at Millennium Park and you saw uh, that man. He was hungry and you went and got him lunch and you sat down and you gave him lunch and smiled. Do you remember that? I, I kind of, yeah. Well, I remember that. See, when you fed him, you fed me. Thank you. Pull up November, 11, or November 6, 2011. Okay. Ooh, that also was a good day. I, was, I, I remember preaching a really good sermon. I, I, the only reason I know that is because everybody was writing about it on Facebook. I think I, was, I think I was trending actually on Twitter for like 30 seconds. Like the world like noticed me. No, I don't remember the sermon. But do you remember after the sermon? Do you remember after the day? You were anxious to go home, but there was one couple sitting in the back and they were in tears. And you could tell they were having a hard time. You sat with them and you talked with them and you prayed with them. Do you remember that? Honestly, Lord, I don't remember that. Well, I remember that. See, when you cared for them, you cared for me. Thank you. It's fascinating when we look at this passage, the simple things we do for Jesus that he remembers. There are things that all of us can do. There are things that resembled his ministry here on the earth. No wonder he recognizes us because more and more our life is looking like his as we're allowing his life to take over ours and our life and our ministry begins to look more like his. This is why, again, I love this. I love this skip jar and I love what it's going to allow you to do the unique way in which just simply skipping something to help someone is going to kind of change the way you think about this unique work of God in your life. How crazy it is when you think about the, all that he did, all the generous work that God did to bring you to himself, you begin to realize it's not hard for me to skip a latte. It's not hard for me to, to uh, sell something I thought I needed. It's not hard for me to respond to someone in need. It's not that hard. When I think about living my life in response this way, uh, there was a group of our middle school boys. Brandon didn't want to brag about it, but I'll brag for him. Uh, but uh, Brandon challenged our, our middle school kids. One of the things we talk a lot about here is, is about being generous. And Brandon encouraged his middle school kids uh, to be generous. And one of the cool things that happened was a, a group of eighth grade boys began to collect quarters, save up their quarters. They came up with about $45 in quarters. And the reason they did that is because we do a little ministry. Our, our HB campus does a ministry called Laundry Love. Laundry Love sprung out of this kind of simple response. Uh, a homeless man was asked a question, what can we do to help? And his response was, well, it'd be, it'd be nice to have clean clothes. It would return a sense of dignity to me. So Laundry Love was begun to to create this sense of presence, to not just do laundry for people, but to do laundry with them. And so not only do we help 
cover the cost of what it takes to do laundry, but we do laundry with people. We have conversations. We pray with them. And in all of this, have the opportunity to point to something bigger, a, a king who came for us. I want to give you a second just to kind of get a picture of it. So up on the screen, you just kind of, it's kind of fun to kind of think about it, but watch, just, just watch how this is and listen to some of the people interact with our group in, in Laundry Love. I see it's, it's a, uh, um, I don't know, it's a godsend. I don't know how else to put it. It's something that, it's, it, the people that, like yourself, that are volunteering your time here is, is precious. It's a blessing to our community. You know, any community that has this sort of uh, service, it's wonderful. Again, the passage reveals very simple things that we do in the name of Jesus to respond to him, just really because of the life that we have experienced. I love the quote that you saw up there from Michael Green, who's a commentator on this passage. He says, the heart of Christianity is relationship with Jesus himself, which shows itself in loving, sacrificial care for others, particularly the poor and the needy. This authenticity of our faith, this this. Uh, uh, this relationship with Jesus it, it is revealed in our love of our neighbors. This is why I want you to understand that this last point that is so important, that the authenticity of our faith, is, we see in this, is tested in how we respond to those in need. How do you respond to those in need? In, in essence, what we see in this is, is that we, we, it, it almost tests the, the authenticity of, of our faith. Note, it's very important that you note that it's not the works that save us, the works, though, reveal, they reveal the kingdom in us. It reveals the kingdom has transformed our heart. The king is leading our life. It's a confirmation of the work of Jesus in our lives. Jesus begins to talk about the way that you love these brothers and sisters of mine. And there's all kinds of questions of, of, of uh, you know, how broad is that? Is that the world? Is that just the Christians? And, and is that for a time period? There's all kinds of ideas I think Galatians 6, 9 and 10 is a, is a great verse for us to kind of grab, grab some sense of picture of this. It says this, Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. We have a responsibility within ourselves to take care of each other. We have this, this sense of loyalty and family to each other, but we realize that that spreads out. And, and all that we come in need with, uh, we have a responsibility to it. Uh, but as we see first, it, we look first in our own family, and then it begins to broaden out. 
And Jesus is here uh, to say there's a way for me to understand the authenticity of your faith. Now, again, it's important to stress that salvation is not based on what you do. But think about this. Why, why is it? And we saw this last week. If you were here with us, we, we began to talk about this. It is, it is much easier to give undeserved grace, love, service when you have received undeserved grace and love and mercy and service. When you begin to realize that you were hungry and God reached out to you and fed you when you were thirsty and Christ, the King, left his throne, he came to bring you living water. When you were naked and ashamed and he covered you with his righteousness, when you were a stranger and he welcomed you in, he adopted you into his family. When you were enslaved and in prison, he broke those chains free from you. When you begin to recognize that this is what he's done in your life, of course this life begins to emerge so naturally into the lives of others. See, when we experience this generous love, we begin to share this generous love. We, we use a, a phrase here, time, talents, and treasures, to kind of help us see this. And, and you see this, don't you, in this passage, that, that you become generous with your time. You visited me. You interrupted your schedule when I needed you. Jesus says, thank you. Your talents, you took your talents, your gifts that I gave you, that I, the, the way I made you. And you didn't make it about yourself, but you made it about me and my kingdom. Thank you. Your treasures. You provided for my needs out of the resources I entrusted to you. Thank you. And when we care in the, these kinds of ways, what we'll see happen is that the, the community will encounter something. They will encounter this, this, this benevolent king who's come for them. I, I, this phrase, I think, has been really helpful for me because I think we see this in, in the, the very beginning of the church. Good deeds will create goodwill, which will give us the opportunity to share the good news. We see this in the very first church that um, as they began to love and care for those in need— they were revolutionary. They were countercultural. They were different from everyone else. They made sure that no one was in need. They sold their possessions if they need to. They made sacrifices if they need to, but they reached out. In fact, in some ways, it was interesting that we, we even have this, this kind of historical testimony, even as the empire began to put pressure on Christians, that the, the kind of statement about them was how they loved one another. This love and care that they had for, them, for each other and for the community, the way they took people in. That, that the, the empire noticed this love. In fact, in Acts 2 and Acts 4, we see this idea of that they, they found favor with the people. That the word of God spread and that many were added to their number. See, when we begin to live out the same kind of ministry that God has done in our lives, that the King has done in our lives, when we just simply reflect what it is that, that King Jesus has done in our lives, we begin to, to do it just as he would in this world. It begins to open doors for us to be able to share to a world who's watching. And so we need to take seriously our call to represent the heavenly kingdom here on earth. Live with a readiness a serving and loving of the least of these while we await his return. And so let's pray for that very thing. In the quiet of this moment, I just want to encourage you 
uh, if you've never if you've never responded to what Jesus, our King, has done for you, if you've never recognized as we think of what the cross means that Jesus, who's the King, left heaven. He left the glory of heaven. He entered in this world and he became a servant for you. Maybe in some way that is becoming more and more real to you. And, and just in the quiet of this moment, have just a quiet moment to pray together. I just want to encourage you, maybe the simpleness of just, Lord, make that more and more real to me. Help me understand how to trust you as my king and not just the king. For many of us, we look at a passage like this and we recognize, uh, Lord, I want to be generous with my time and my talents, my treasures. I want to be aware. I want to see and sense the opportunities. Make me more and more aware. And so let's pray for this very thing. Let's, let's pray that God would open up doors for us, that the city would be glad we're here. The community would be glad that we're here because of our love and our deeds and the things that we do that reflect our King. Take a moment to pray and then we'll sing and close.